What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host today, Alex Van Aken, back from a 16-day trip to Japan and California. Uh, happy to be back. Thank you for filling in for me while I was gone, Marcus. How are you, Marcus? I hope I didn't leave too much of a mess for you to clean up. I like to think that you coming back is like the end of a Home Alone movie where Kevin's cleaning <laughs> up all the traps and he has to do it in like a few hours and then the parents are none the The wiser. parents walk in and they're like, huh, you got it. You you got up to some stuff while I was gone, huh? Yeah, or they even acknowledge his existence still. They're like, oh, what's up with you? I mean, Shit. I feel like I acknowledge your existence, Marcus. I, I like to think that. You're you're yeah. better than Kevin's parents, which isn't saying much, but <laughs> I'll take it. Although I did, I was on the plane to Japan, and I like sat straight up, and I was like, Marcus! <laughs> <laughs> we forgot him! <laughs> uh, thank you for... for sorry, I'm, I'm adjusting my lights. Um, Ooh, for the video fancy. viewers yeah um Wait, what changed the, the, the intensity the okay. intensity of it the shadows are, are are smoother on my face now okay um you know at least I, I i like to think so uh we are joined as well by charles hart how you doing charles i'm good i'm good i was i was the joe pesci to marcus's macaulay culkin Mm. um so i was kind of the one did you get your hand uh caught on fire and whatnot i was i was on fire i was so sticky dude i had to really just i just had to really go decompress so i'm I'm glad the mom is back which i guess yeah how's your friend's foot doing by the (laughs) way he's actually dead it's crazy actually no that's (laughs) kyle that would be kyle in this metaphor i guess except he's a regular host so I don't know. It doesn't really hold up, but mm, I'm fine yeah. now is the moral of this podcast story. Well, Charles, wouldn't you be the other guy because you're pretty tall, right? No, I'm Joe Pesci because I call dibs on Joe Pesci. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, way, the reason I did it is because I know his name. I We're calling the other guy the other guy. How, how's your gold tooth, by the way? Uh, it's. I actually took it out uh, because it was more mm. valuable that way, mm-hmm. Um, mm. but I am going to be bidding it off. Um the eBay. Oh, so you got it back from Kevin's, from Marcus's dad. Yes. Who picks it up at the end of the movie. I've only seen it yes. one, two, uh, only one, one time, so I don't know the details of this super well. Wow. At least it's not the sequel where you get bricks thrown at your face. Oh, I don't want to do that. Alex, you can't leave again, because I'm not, I, I haven't signed on for that. You know what's wild is, what year were you born, Charles? 2000, baby. Oh, God. You can, I, you can, you know exactly how old I am in any given year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charles uh, was born ten years after Home Alone released, so you know, old old people nonsense. To be fair, I was born one year after Home Alone released, so okay. it's not like I was like, what? You know, yeah. You're, old movie. Known the You're old nine years the older than me. Yeah, yeah, I am. Wow. I know my skin doesn't look like it. But <laughs> I don't. I don't know how old that is, right? <laughs> Yeah, that soft lighting. Yeah, I'm old. I'm 31. It's not like old. It's just like born one year after Home Alone. You know, born one year after Home Alone. Years old. Uh-huh. Uh, Wesley LeBlanc, the news hound himself. My uh, my my roommate at yeah. Summer Game Fest this year. 
Um, that was an adventure. How you doing? I'm doing good. I I still still feel like I'm recovering from California somehow. Me too. Even though I shouldn't be, but like I cannot get back on to my sleep schedule, and I'm just tired all the Dude, time. Dude, I'm so off. And yeah, yeah, you're probably like you're donezo. Japan to California, and then back to Minnesota. Yeah, like I mean, you're toast. Yeah, I've been like my my sleep schedule has been like 2 a.m. To 9 a.m. Um, <laughs> Brutal. And I and then like a nap in the middle of the day. And I can't seem to break that cycle. Yeah. I normally go to bed at like 11. Uh, mm. But when 11 o'clock rolls around, I'm just wide, wide awake. I need to know. Because this is the Summer Games Fest was the first time that you guys have met in person. No, actually. Alex and Wesley. It's the first time we met wait, in person no? in the States. Oh, oh, wait. Where did you guys? Was it a cover store? Oh, it was Dead mm-hmm. Island, right? Birmingham. That's right. This was, was our first time sharing a room, though. <laughs> it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, you guys shared a room? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. I was going to say, I was going to ask if you guys were um, surprised or like, did you guys live up to each other's uh, expectations of like, oh, this person's taller than I thought or, you know, that kind of thing? <laughs> but I guess this has already been done. So I think we're like the same height. Yeah, right? I think so. Like when you size each other up for the first time, you're like, well, I could take it. No, yeah. I, I, I feel like I had a good read on Wes. <laughs> Yeah, I think I had a good read too. I mean, it's, podcasting a lot helps. And then, yeah, yeah, we were just commiserating in the misery of sharing a room in LA and not getting much sleep. <laughs> oh, at let all. me tell you. <laughs> oh man, there are some horrors. Let me tell you, come back after a long day, and there being one bathroom. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, interestingly, though, I'm knocking on somebody else's hotel room. Like, can I use your bathroom? I'm sorry. Interestingly you know. enough. Wes always got to go first, so he never had to go after it's true. someone else. I would ask, and he'd uh, and be I, like, yeah, and I'm not going to Why is this no, it race as a I traumatic event? I didn't want it. Like It's not like I was like, <laughs> let me go second. Well, I mean, it was like, was it just con- like just incidental of like, Wesley just always happened to get there first? Or was it like an agreement? Like, hey, I'll... I'll go. It wasn't a, it wasn't like, all right, you always get first. There were times where like only one of us had to, so it was like... Uh, yeah. Hey, do you want to go use it real quick before I use it real slow type of thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there are times, you know, <laughs> when it's like there were times when we both were were you know going fast out of the BPM elevator down the hallway. Pretty, pretty yeah. Slow. Yeah. yeah. Too much in and out. Actually, I would have no in and out. out. Yeah. I didn't even see an in and out. Well, I felt Me like neither. I kept telling people, believe it or not, it did not feel like I was in L.A. It felt very isolated from what I know to be L.A. I don't know if that's just because the area we were in or what, but it doesn't feel like I visited. Still in the downtown area that we were in last year, Alex? Yeah, but not um, – we were pretty far from where that hotel we stayed at last year, Marcus. So, like, all of those, like, cafes and lunch spots and stuff, we were, like, in more of the financial district is where we stayed this time. So there wasn't really a ton around us. SGF was still at the same venue, though, right? Yeah, yeah. it was, yeah. Okay. We just changed venues because the internet in last year's hotel was awful. Yes. Although I liked last year's hotel better. It was a good hotel. The freehand. Tiny elevator, though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Tiny. Uh, Although this one was pretty small, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What what were we talking about? I don't remember. Each other. We're back. Just basking in each other's greatness. Just like. Yeah. 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 Wes is a good roommate. Yeah, Alex is too. It could have like it, other than you know one bathroom, but I, I think that's gonna suck for any two people sharing a room. Other than that, though, it yeah. was great. And we even had uh, uh, our old friend Stadnik stay in the room with us. Uh, one I saw night. a picture yeah. of you guys. Yeah, we had a sleepover. Yeah, he crashed with us. Yeah, 
he crashed was... on the couch which was like five feet long and he's like <laughs> almost seven feet tall like, did you guys just do the like thing you just pitch a tent with the blankets like classic sleepover style no i don't like to touch hotel room floors with my mm. my body mm. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> what? you know um, what i mean yeah, you just yeah. don't know I guess. I don't think I've ever thought about it. I guess it depends on the place. If it's like a nice place, then. I walk barefoot, but I prefer to wear socks in hotel mm-hmm. rooms. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of contact. I can't share a bed in any context. Like, I just need the personal space. So if, if there's any instance in which multiple people have to share a hotel room, I will sleep on the floor if there aren't enough. Oh, we, had, we each so. had our own bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying if we, it, had, we had a big sweep. <laughs> yeah. He, I'm just, just not afraid of You're just making the, the record known. On the record. <laughs> just so you know, yeah. On the record, I'd rather if, sleep on the floor than share a bed with any of you. If with you two and cool. Stadnik, then I would sleep on the floor. Absolutely. Mm, in this alternate, yeah, this I, alternate yeah, I think we're... It's like, it's, it has nothing to do with, like... It's just... I need my space. It's like it, it almost has nothing to do with the person sharing a bed with. Like, but like outside of like a romantic partner, <laughs> it's like, no, we, I, I will, I will volunteer to be on the floor. Yeah, yeah. If that's what yeah. it takes, you know. We we typically have our own rooms for listeners wondering, but just the way things worked out this time, we we had a big suite, which ended up just being one long, very long rectangular room. The most wasted it space of a suite ever. Just yeah. complete waste of space. Yeah, you guys should have told Static to bring like an air mattress for you guys. He could have. He could have brought three. <laughs> it ended it up just like being one long rectangle with a bunch of empty space. We just made our like suitcases in the space, and then we just put all of our stuff on the floor wherever we needed because there was no other use yeah. for the space. Yeah, that was nice. But yeah, it's been it's been a busy two weeks. I went out to Tokyo. And um, saw Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, uh, roughly two or three hours um, in action. Interviewed uh, Yamamura-san and Ogura-san, the director and producer on the game, alongside Blake. And uh, we actually co-wrote the cover story. So he kind of took the first half, I took the second half. And you guys um, were sitting side by side at a laptop with each hand on one side of the keyboard. Not far off. The first night when we started writing, we were, he was on his bed in his hotel room. I was on his couch and we were just sitting there writing and and brainstorming and assigning sections. Blake ended up writing up a lot of, well, that's not even true. Yeah. It was was a very collaborative cover story. It was cool. And it was both of our, yeah, it's both of our first cover stories too. So um, it, it was, that was a cool experience doing that. Um, but yeah, we went out to Tokyo, um, and we did a lot of stuff. We were out there for like nine days. I'd say three or four of those days were with, uh, Bandai Namco and From Software. Um, and other days were to be, to be announced things as well as a couple, a couple days just to, uh, relax. We ended up getting stuck in a typhoon as one does yeah that was awful um, how bad was the typhoon itself uh i think it like killed a few people which is like rare for japan because they're very good about evacuating but yeah it, it came up from the pacific and uh it was it was pretty rough we got we got stranded in a town like 100 miles from tokyo and we had to wait like 10 hours in total on the train platform for a train and like I actually like messed up my 
my shoulder uh, it was feeling better but it's like the last couple of days it's flaring back up i got like shoved into a wall by like these people who were like trying to like jump on the train at the last minute uh it, it was just chaos uh and like they had me like pinned up against a wall pretty much and i think i like messed up my rotator cuff it was a whole thing um so it was an exciting trip uh it was also yeah Heroin. it was high highs and lows i would say was that your first hurricane slash typhoon uh in japan or but i grew up general? on the east coast okay so, you've so. Been. oh yeah i, I, like, I went like through floridians like this is is typhoon yeah, just like... like pacific hurricane or is it like an actual yeah, separate it's... thing from a hurricane same thing I... just different name yeah mm, gotcha yeah i live i lived through i did i've lived through all the hurricanes <laughs> experience but i experienced uh hurricane katrina isabel uh some of the bigger ones while i was on the east coast okay Isabel is what what hit us the most um in Virginia but uh but yeah not my first hurricane but uh definitely kind of reinstated my respect for hurricanes cuz I think for a while growing up on the east coast I was like eh whatever it's a hurricane yeah happen all the time and seeing the uh the state of emergency that uh the country was put in or our, specifically the region we were in um it was uh not fun there's a lot more urgency because we also had a typhoon when i was there in japan with blake last year Mm -hmm. um and we just got out because it 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 hit but it didn't really hit us directly where we were we just sort of caught bands of it but it was still like good enough where we could fly out but i remember just again growing up in florida my whole life and dealing like i'm at the point where like hurricanes like i have a respect for them but it's also just like same old song and dance right yeah um and seeing the difference in sort of like urgency levels of japan of like you said they're really good about evacuating and they treat it like red alert it's it's happening yeah and it's like it's not like it's not like that in florida but it's it kind of is though people just freak out and buy a bunch of toilet paper when a hurricane's coming it feels like it's more self yeah like the government of course you got the guy in the corner selling water yeah or gasoline Yeah. yeah maybe it's just so used to it we're like yeah people not freak out they they buy the stuff but it's not like oh my god we don't know it's just like yeah. oh we know what we have to do we got to fill up our gas and get like my favorite hurricane tradition is when the guy with the generators comes out of nowhere and he's got like got his pickup truck with like a bunch of generators he's selling yeah that's when you find out who's like the closet generator people and yeah their neighbors of like i don't know why it's like a personality trait of like oh you're one of the people that have generators and i'm always jealous because i've never had a generator yeah me uh, neither. and i was like why I would tell my mom, like, why don't we have one of these? <laughs> it seems like a good idea. Be really, And I only say that because I'm like, I'm tired of not having AC and sweating. Um, yeah. How much is a generator? Like, how expensive uh, of a thing? For one that's, like, that. going to run a house, I feel like a lot. But I, what, what a I couple thought, of a thousand or two? Yeah, but I think most okay. people just try to get something for some electricity. So, I don't know. Yeah. In, in Ohio, we just had tornadoes. That is terrifying to me. I saw a tornado in front of my... Really? The front of my neighborhood, which I'm like, my house growing up was like two streets into the neighborhood and it was right there and it was the scariest thing ever. We did the whole like mattress in the bathroom type thing. I'd watched Twister a hundred times so I knew exactly what to do. (laughs) Um, Very scary. Tornadoes are by far scarier. That's so funny because I I see it as like a tornado is like, it, it so much less like surface area of like a place like it touches down and it like decimates a certain area but with a hurricane i'm like you can't 
It's like miles wide, you know. But you can prepare for a hurricane. Tornadoes come without warning. That's and, the yeah. thing with me. Hurricanes like, you're, can you're decimate, day, but then... I feel like tornadoes. Like if they strike, it's like you're, that's it. Tornado tornadoes are like very intense, focused. It's like a it's like a um, you know a pulse beam, right? Yeah, versus I was, I was like, thinking versus like an, a shotgun. An AOE attack that is Yeah, yeah let's talk about video. The tornado is like the hammer of dawn in Gears of War. Yeah. And the hurricane is like a bunch of wind. It's like meteor. Uh, a very video gamey thing that we're yeah. all familiar with. Yeah, like the blizzard. It lasts as long too crap. as meteor. I'm just yeah. saying, like, if if there's like a frag grenade that goes off near me in the game, like, I'll take some splash damage. And I can't avoid that. But if it's like a sniper, like I'm not gonna get hit. I'll be fine. I can run across there. They're not gonna hit me. Oh, so so on a battle, given the choice between if someone's like, I'm gonna throw a grenade at you, or I'm gonna snipe you, pick one. <laughs> okay, I'm picking right. grenades every time. <laughs> Wait, what? I would take a because a snipe. It's like I'm assuming if you're sniping me, you're aiming for the head, and then it's gonna be instant. I mean, I, like, I don't want to take. I don't take any bullets. <laughs> Grenade, I'm throwing I mean, it back. Get hit in a, but if you get a shot sniper in the bullet head, can it, just like instant. rip off a limb. I guess it's not necessarily instant. We're assuming they're shooting to kill, right? They're not just shooting yeah, but you. To you shoot don't know you. their aim level. Like they, <laughs> I mean, if they're shooting to kill and they're a sniper, they they're like how to they could be bronze ranked. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, they aren't all. This is diamond. my first day on the job, sniper. <laughs> I think it's also like I've. Lived, you don't know if this is MMR or not. You know, I live through like half a dozen tornadoes every year. So they're That's all terrifying. the time, and it's like they just kind of land, or people see them, they're like, ah, there's a tornado, and then it's like they don't kill yeah. anyone. Most Growing of the time. up, a tornado put a car on top of the local Target, <laughs> and ever since then, I was so terrified of tornadoes. I guess it across, hit its target. Across the street from <laughs> my high school in 1999, which is, you know, before any of us were born. Wait, 1999, uh, you were not born yet. Exactly. This is before oh, okay, I okay. This is, I, okay. said any of us were born? Because we were born. <laughs> us, us meaning my high school class. This oh, is, wow. this is ancient, okay. ancient young lore folk. for the us. Young folk. Yeah. yeah. There was a tornado that destroyed all the houses there. And that's like the closest I have of like, man, tornadoes can mess stuff up sometimes. But now it's all rebuilt. And that's, that's happened since. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm basically These things invincible. are dangerous, it turns for out. For the most part, hurricanes is just like a lot of rain. Oh, look at that tree. It's like moving a lot in the wind. And then sometimes you lose power. Obviously, it can be a lot worse if you're on the coast. But I feel like a yeah. tornado, somebody is going to have a really, really bad day every time a tornado strikes. I guess unless it's like in a pasture. But even then, cows, like that's not fair to them. But but even then, cows. It's really good. <laughs> like in the hit movie <laughs> Twister. Pastor. I think it's squash, can agree squash this agree. beef by agreeing that earthquakes are worse than both of them. And no, I actually think earthquakes are kind of just whatever. I experienced my first earthquake in Japan <laughs> ever. And this Wait, trip? This past trip? This past trip? Oh, you trip? did it yeah. all. How'd it go? It yeah. was the day after the... <laughs> yeah, it was the like experience. <laughs> no, it was the day after we got back from the typhoon incident. Um, and yeah, it was a small one. It was like a 6.1. Did you do this? Were you like, oh. Like, were you walking around? Maybe? And... Or maybe it was a 4... It was, it was at least a 6, I think. Did you even know it was happening at first? Or Oh, I felt it because I was like... Uh, I forgot earthquakes are a thing because I've never experienced one. And I was laying in my bed after like, because it was like the trap. It was like we were gone from Tokyo for like 28 hours. It was originally supposed to be four hours. Um, And so I got back and I just was laying in the bed like just dead. 
and somebody starts shaking my bed. And I was like, there's somebody in my room. Cause I'm like, I have my back face to the door and my bed starts shaking. It literally felt like somebody's on the edge of the bed. Like, you know, oh, like terrifying. And I was like, it's a demon or something. <laughs> and then, the and then I was like, wait, it's not a demon. It's an earthquake. And then I got on Twitter and like, people were like, it's an earthquake. And I was going to tweet about it. But then I saw a, a random tweet from a stranger and it was like, here comes all the earthquake tweets if you're in Japan. <laughs> you felt self-conscious. Like, I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. I love I don't that. Wanna, I don't want to be that guy. But I did, I did feel an earthquake, yeah. What a goofy home invasion tactic also to break into someone's house and just... <laughs> yeah, really bring it back full circle bed. to home alone. Yeah, yeah, shake their bed, wake them up, and leave. <laughs> Good break. Sometimes you just want to make people scared, you know? But uh, yeah, the Joker would totally. His, his yeah. goals are beyond our comprehension. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about video games. Uh, so, yeah, I was on this cover story trip uh, to see Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Uh, like I said, two to three hours uh, of demos. It's an Armored Core game. Whoa. Hey, they did it. Woo. It is not a Souls-like, which I know they've already said, but I think when you see FromSoft coming out and making an armor core game in 2023 there's part of you that's like yeah but is it is it really not a souls like or are they just is that marketing you know it is definitely not a souls like uh there are checkpoints when you die it's a stage-based selection no interconnected world it is from up until the boss fights it is very arcadey like there's a end of mission score screen you're getting points for the better you know your performance um and it's all about that omnidirectional mech combat so you know you're kind of flying all over the place you're you've got your you're like x and y movement as well as like the z axis you know, if that makes sense like you're kind of 360 degree movement right um and and you're since you're since you're a mech you can like uh, you have like your left arm weapon, your right arm weapon, and your shoulder weapons as well. You can fire them all at the same time if you want. Um, ammo is limited, so like if you don't reserve your ammunition, you can run out in the middle of a boss fight and be left with like no weapons in the boss fight. I, I'm trying to just get all the big details out. It is it is armored core of the past, but they have it's the bosses are what you would now expect from from software um so the i saw can i talk about i think i can talk about uh the the uh smart cleaner boss which is this giant roomba they call it the colloquially they call it the roomba boss like when they're just referencing it in the office and it's yeah it's like a roomba vacuum with like a foundry uh attached to the back of it that like shoots out fire um, and then it's got these two like long crab like arms on like mounted to the Roomba and they've got like all these gears lining the arms and they're all grinding and spewing out like molten metal onto the floor and it's like super fast. And so you have to use that 360 degree movement to like, oh, he's rushing me. I'm going to jump over the boss. And while I'm jumping over the boss, I got to make sure I don't get hit by you know, the flame spout on its back. And, you know, the one weak point on this boss is like front and center. So I have to like make sure I'm like 
you can't just like waste your bullets you'll just be hitting metal right so does the room i've never played an armor core game so i'm gonna ask something that might sound stupid but like is that boss and as well as the other enemies are they mechs too like is there a person yeah. inside the room oh no not all or are of they them. robots no, no. They're okay. robots. It's oh, a mixture with robots. Armored Core. Sometimes you'll fight other pilots like in their mech. You, you never get out of your mech, by the way. So when I say pilots, I mean like a human-operated mech. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you'll be fighting those and like kind of do these one-on-one duels. And from what I understand, like there's a mixture of that kind of stuff in, in all aspects of this game. But other times, yeah, you're just fighting like robots like the uh, – what are they called? They're called the MTs. I wrote about it in the cover story. I forget the uh, the full spelling, but they have like light MT muscle tracer, muscle tracer, I think, hmm. uh, or missile tracer. One of the, one of the two. Muscle I like tracer. muscle tracer better. Muscle tracer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you'll have like light muscle tracers, which are like kind of like your standard grunt. Sometimes you'll have a heavy uh, muscle tracer, which might have like a shield or might have might be more like tank like in its movement. There's all these variations, um, and it's kind of you're kind of just like I would say, excluding the boss fights, right? It it it, it is easier than a typical or a more recent from software game. You know, like in Bloodborne, like you could just be like walking down the you know a street, and you could just get wrecked by like a normal enemy if you're right. not prepared. I I don't get that sense with with Armored Core Six. Uh, it's much more like power fantasy, zooming around, shooting stuff, blowing stuff up. So I would say if you're looking for that more methodical uh, gameplay, that's not really here outside of like bigger fights and boss fights. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like I, I don't want to say mindless because that can be interpreted as like inherently negative. I I think it's uh maybe like free flowing I, I don't know it's it's casual more casual maybe um, or like it's an armored core game it's an armored <laughs> like, core game yeah like if, yeah it's like if you're an armored core fan and you know how those games play and like just the style it sounds like it's adhering to that and yeah it's not, absolutely it's not like it's like poisoning the well so to speak by adding a yeah. bunch of souls mechanics to it it's like it's not doing that <laughs> Yeah, I do want to talk about, like, one of the aspects that was a little disappointing for me. I'm going to say this with a caveat. The game's not out yet, right? I, I saw a glimpse at it. Um, two to three hour glimpse out of, you know, what is a, a much larger experience. But, like, my impressions from those first couple of hours is, number one, the world is, like, beautiful. Um, like, really striking vistas and stuff, especially because you're on, like, this this planet and like you've got rubicon the planet yeah yeah rubicon's the planet and like the whole setup is there's like this special substance that uh people are like companies are like warring over uh that's like an energy source that a long time ago was really popular it kind of led to this big disaster and then uh now years later there are hints of that energy back and all the corporations are coming after it to get it um again and you are a mercenary who's kind of like an independent contractor like who gets wrapped up in this bigger story and i should say it is a reboot actually it's like a soft reboot um with the six in the title one <laughs> despite the six yeah and a lot of the the narrative stuff uh has a lot a lot of parallels with the first armored court game when did the last one come out oh like 2013 20 
It's been yeah. a decade. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, there was also like a, a DLC uh, or a, like a, a separate. So Armored Core 5 came out in 2012. And then there was, oh, what was the other one called? Five is Verdict Day, isn't it? Or Five is a separate game. Verdict Day is is a separate. Um, that's like a separate thing, but oh. comes that came out in 2013. So that was like, yeah, it was, it was Armored Core Five in 2012, then Armored Core Verdict Day, and it's like set 100 years after the events of Armored Core Five. But yeah, now pretty much 10 years later, we get uh, the the next Armored Core game, uh, which is six. I think like one of the things I love about from software games uh, or the souls Soulsborne series series is Soulsborne group of games they've made is like, because there's so a couple of thoughts here. Um, I would say like in their most recent games, that a to B is just as interesting as, you know, the boss fights, right? Like, those individual corridors that you find yourself in, um, you know, the little fights with, you know, small, small groups of enemies are like sometimes even more memorable than the boss fights, right? Like they just have an incredible sense of place. And I think that what I've seen of Armor Core 6 lacks a certain element of that. Um, I think number one, you're dealing with just like all machines and at the end of the at some point that kind of just like a machine is a machine. Right. And it kind of like starts to be less distinct outside of the boss fights, obviously. And, and some of the, some of the, the, the main level we saw was grit 086. And it's like this big installation that's like hovering over. Um, it's like got this like giant, like uh, cargo lift that like they're trying to use your, your pilots trying to get to for like story reasons. Cause it's like wants to like cross this ocean uh, and to get to like the other continent over the ocean, they have to use this cargo lift to like shoot off uh, over the ocean. Anyways, like you've got like these really cool, massive structures, but the like when you zoom in really close, you know, and you're like going through corridors and hallways, it's at least in that level that we saw, it's just kind of like not super memorable, if that makes sense. Like those little the little pathways and stuff to get to from point A to point B. Like when you zoom out and you look at the big level, it's like, Oh, that is memorable. Like I, I clearly see the, I see it in my head and picture it. But like once, yeah, like I said, once you zoom in, you're kind of doing the minute to minute stuff. Like the action is cool, but like the locations and the small little events are less memorable than um, previous previous uh recent recent games do you think it's like a symptom of the speed of the game like since it sounds like you're like blazing through areas so like maybe from well i don't know if this is their intention but like why put so much emphasis on a hallway that they would do in dark souls that you slowly go through when you're just going to quickly turbo through it but then you're losing some of that environmental design that they're so famous for now because of that yeah that's a that's a really good point because you know souls games by design you're going to be running rerunning these areas over and over because you die a lot definitely but in this game but they're like no we want to keep you moving forward that's why we have a bunch of check yeah that's that's fair also part of it is like the scale like when you are a humanoid character buildings are so much bigger you can see the brick textures you can see the grime on the buildings when you're a mech like the scale of the playing field changes and you lose those minor details 
that can you know add character and flavor that make you remember even the small spaces right yeah and, and again maybe we you know i think in, in the cover story we we recognize like hey from software has a pretty great track record in the last decade so like they i think they've earned some benefit of the doubt right uh it's just like walking away there was like a little bit of an underwhelming feeling in some aspects um of like they've made these like hugely progressive games that have like changed the way that a lot of designers play and create games and you know from bloodborne to dark souls demon souls obviously to elden ring like they're like these genre defining like generational uh titans right and then it's kind of like okay now we're going back to armored core and like there that gameplay hasn't been it's it, it kind of just feels like a really polished ps3 game in some ways if that makes sense and like they're they're kind of battling like a a game has to come after elden ring yeah and it is going against impossible expectations and i think like the the header in our cover story is like from takes two steps forward and one step back with armor core six so like in general like the game is cool right it's just like ah, I was I was ready for that next big thing, right? And it's kind of like you got to go reel your expectations in a little bit. Did you get to talk to them at all about like developing this? Because yeah, I did. Yeah. It, it, I'm I'm wondering if like it's a we make a game an armored core game for the armored core fans. Like, how much discussion was there between that and then people like us because of our Souls games? Let's make armored core Souls now, and then like how, balancing that seems like a tough spot to be in with that series specifically. Yeah. So they, they, Ogura-san, um, Yasunori Ogura, Ogura, he's been, he's been with From Software for a very long time. He's producer, the producer on six. And he was kind of talking about like for them, uh, it was never an option to not do another armored core game. It's just been like a matter of time because they are like not a huge studio. Um, roughly a third, I think they've got, 150 roughly employees and a third of those are god sorry it's been a long week uh, yeah it's the, a third of them are working on armored core actively and yeah they, they kind of talked about like we only got like an hour with the the developers for like the proper sit down interview a lot of it was like wow we're seeing the demo like asking questions on the fly but we we talked about yeah, I guess like the legacy of Armored Core and like its history uh, with the with the studio and why like it is even though like a lot of people haven't played Armored Core games, especially like they're more recent fans probably. But like for a long time, that was like the 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 thing that like kept them afloat um, is that series, and it's always been important to them. And they definitely, I don't think, based on our interviews had no desire to really make it a souls like um they like armored core has its own fan base and that's who they're making this for and they hope that um the they talked about like the observational elements of their boss fights that people have come to really like where it's like you have to like die a lot and observe and learn the movements uh, and then use that information to beat the boss and how that was a big pillar of designing this game, uh, specifically for the bosses. 
But yeah, the other stuff was just like, hey, let's do more Armored Core. It's been a while. We really like this series internally. Uh, and yeah, they said it was never an option to not do one for them in their eyes. It almost sounds like I, I don't want to presume how well the other Armored Core games sold. But it almost like after 10 years and 10 years of like success stories, it's like we can afford to make a new one now. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's like this one's for us a little bit. Yeah, like this isn't. I, again, I, I it's probably not going to do Elden Ring numbers if I had to guess. I don't. But, think and, it, but that's I, like fine. Basically, yeah, right? yeah. It's like, hey, we can go back to the thing that used to be our flagship like franchise, and this is for the like you said for the fans, and it doesn't have to be another global sensation if it winds up being you know that great. But I, yeah. I think yeah, it's like it's almost like it almost feels like a passion project in a in a little bit of a way. Uh, a little bit yeah saying like oh we always knew we would go back to it like there was there was no universe where we weren't gonna do it. we were just sort of yeah. like by biding our time and also uh making a bunch of money and changing the industry <laughs> in yeah between yeah then. uh i'm looking at some um, numbers and in, in japan verdict day sold 150,000 units um in its release year so i don't know how how long it was on the market and then elden ring sold 1 million so definitely like you were mentioning, yeah, sales-wise, I don't know if it's necessarily the baby of From at all, but yeah. I assume it's bigger in Japan than it is here, right? I know there's, like, Armor Core fans here, but is it a bigger thing in Japan? Or is it pretty equal across the board? I, I, um, our market's I mean, I, bigger, I have no hard... theoretically, but as far as the fan base goes, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, it's it like sold 164,000 copies here. I was wondering, oh, was like, yeah. is it like a Dragon Quest situation where like, oh yeah, it's 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 fairly popular. You're a fan, but you go to Japan, it's like, yo, Dragon Quest is number one. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is every. We got cafes, we got everything. Yeah. Or Splatoon is that actually? Or like as big as it Splatoon is, Splatoon is over is, here. It's, plus, Splatoon is it's still everywhere there. Yeah. You know those little quizzes on the subway, Marcus? Yeah. They're still doing those Splatoon ones. When, when, when last both times I've been there, especially in Tokyo, there's like every other store was like Splatoon advertising everywhere. Yeah still like, oh still that way now <laughs> um so yeah it's it's uh i really i think elden ring is like one of my favorite games of all time now um and i grew up playing armored core games and i think i was wanting more of a a transformation for that series you know well, this uh, isn't selfishly. This is, these are max. Oh, oh, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so, like, I, I think, I think it's just battling some really high expectations, um, and I, I think, like, to their credit, like they are getting ahead of that and are being like, "Hey, this is an armored core game. This is not a Souls like." Yeah. You know, uh, I think that's wise of them, and um, and yeah, like. I, there were aspects of it that were a bit disappointing for me, but like, I, I want to reiterate, like the game's not out. Uh, it's just that that aspect of it is just an opinion, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I really like this cover story because we were able to balance uh, a lot of new information for fans. We were able to dive into more interview focused parts. And then we had, you know, the gameplay. I felt like it was, it was a really fair cover story is really honest in terms of, uh, you know, uh, we got some pretty candid answers about um, from Yamamura, who's it's his first time directing a game. He talked about he doesn't want we our question to him was I specifically asked this question. I said, 
was there anything as a lower level employee employee in quotes i don't i don't want to like disparage him but he this is the first time as a director previously he was not that high up right i asked was there anything that you felt like wasn't heard previously that now that you're a director you're able to share that feedback with leadership and uh after after having it all translated back and forth uh he ended up saying that um you know here i can just pull the quote up right now i don't want to do that so i'm not paraphrasing um because it's really interesting yeah he was a designer on sekiro before yeah this. Yeah. yeah and he started armored on armored core and not as a director he started on the map team uh, and then was promoted to director early on. Um, sorry, I'm just pulling up this cover story because it's it's an interesting quote. Uh, I don't I don't know it. a ton about the 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 inner politics of the game development team, but map team to director <laughs> feels like a massive <laughs> jump. Like good for him, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, here I found it. So I'm just going to like read a section of the cover story if that's cool. Yamamura is now one of the few people to direct a game at From in the last decade that isn't Miyazaki. He says it's been stressful taking this new role. He had to learn how to share ideas with his team and keep the vision consistent throughout. Around a third of the entire company is now on Armored Core 6, we're told. But a few years into his new job, he's learning what kind of director he wants to be. Quote, some directors will just be very top down and it's everything they say goes. Yum, Yamamura says, uh, continuing, uh, some directors like to get in there and like to get these ideas and discuss. I very much appreciate that second style rather than people fearing me coming along and saying, Oh no, I'm going to be told what to do. It's a discussion. It's like, okay, I get to take this person's ideas and see how we can incorporate that. See how we can mix them with other ideas on the floor. This is the approach that I've come to enjoy, which I thought that was really interesting. Like, especially like the part where he's like, yeah, um, I don't lead with fear. And it's like, okay, are you, are you implying that others do? Uh, Cause that's how I read it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not a monster. Yeah. Working it from is the dark souls of game development. I'm Miyazaki. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It was, it was an interesting quote. Like I felt like we got some really candid responses and uh yeah the, the people at i think you know going into this cover story there's you, you just don't know what you're going to get with a with a studio who has just put out banger after banger and they're beloved around the world uh, but they were the, the two people we interviewed were like very humble one of them was like yamura is like very soft-spoken and quiet um and they're just very pleasant and uh um uh, very gracious with their time and it was it was cool to be there cool to meet them uh, the game is cool. Got a few reservations, but um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I know. Of course, there's more information in the actual cover story itself. Uh, go into a lot more detail uh, on the uh, the in depth, you know, the moment to moment minutia. But yeah, go and read that at GameInformer.com and buy an issue. Uh, you, you can buy an individual buy an issue, issue now, please. If you want. Yeah, yeah, please buy an issue. Five ninety nine on gamestop.com slash game informer or you can get a, a a subscription go check out the website and all that stuff i hope armored core you know what they should do is that they should rip off the original metroid and they have a secret ending where if you play really well you get a cutscene with like your mech guy like the suit opens up and then <laughs> out steps out the tarnished from elden ring Wow. And it's like your tarnish, like it reads your save file, like oh, you played Elden Ring. We're gonna mm, import like your character. Kojima and style. He steps, yeah, 
Yeah, he like steps, he or she steps out of the mech suit and gives like a a nod to the camera or something, like a mm. wink maybe, mm. thumbs up. You know, I thought you were like, gonna say like, it's like the Samus reveal, but better. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna say literally Samus steps out of the mech. It's like, no, that would she be, did it again. Uh, I ain't trying to get them sued, <laughs> but maybe that's the metro. And then it plays the Metroid Prime Four trailer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Surprise collabo. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Well, uh, Wes, you have been playing and reviewing Final Fantasy 16 for Game Informer. Tell us, tell us about it. Yeah, I, I feel like my life has been taken over by Final <laughs> Fantasy 16 since like late May or no late March when I went to Tokyo for our cover story trip, and then I did yeah. a ton of features for it, and then I got code for it, and I've just been. Thinking of getting a face tattoo. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you had with the game? Um, I've had a, uh, I'd say like a few weeks, probably like a little more than fourteen days. Um, but I had SGF in the middle of that, which kind of, uh, I should have foreseen it, but it kind of took away a good chunk of time. Um, so when you're watching this, embargo's up and the game's out, blah blah blah. But I wrote my review the day before embargo, and I finished the game that same day. Like yesterday, I logged on. And I said, hey, I'm just playing Final Fantasy today, barring anything urgent. And I played 13 hours and I stopped at midnight because I went to the bathroom and my eyes were bloodshot, like dark red and they were stinging and they hurt. And it's not healthy to play games for 13 hours straight. Um, (laughs) But I did it. Admittedly, I did not spend enough time with it. I should have played it more this weekend to avoid that. um, But that's it was a busy weekend and blah, blah, blah. Um, fortunately I really, um, enjoyed the game a lot, so I didn't mind playing, uh, 13 hours straight yesterday and then waking up and playing three more to finish it today. Um, but it's a long game. Took me, I'm about 65, 66 hours. I'd say I've done 80% of the side quests. Obviously the main story is complete. Um, and then there's some optional stuff like hunts and whatnot that I can do that I plan on doing. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, my review is currently being edited by our reviews editor Brian. Um, I was gonna pull it up to like reference it, but I don't want to reference it in case he's like, "This is a terrible line." Like we're taking this out, <laughs> um, so I'm just going off Can the you dome. Reference one of his notes. Yeah, uh, cut this. No, <laughs> um, I've, I I haven't determined a score yet. I'm kind of I wrote the review and I'm gonna sit on it. Um, I don't really like to think of a score before I write a review. Um, I just kind of write the review and then let the text demonstrate the score. So regardless, when you see it, it's at the lowest, I think it'll be an 8.5. It could be a nine. Um, I'm still going back and forth in my head. And usually I'd be like, well, if there's even a chance it's an 8.5, it's probably an 8.5. But this game is, is it's been really tough to review. Um, I love Final Fantasy a lot and I do really like this game. It has some of the highest highs in all of Final Fantasy. It has my... There's like an hour that is my favorite game moment of all time, which is wild because Whoa. I got that like of all time. Yeah, any game? Yeah, because I, oh, I got okay. that earlier this year with Jedi Survivor. There was a moment that was like an all timer, and then I did this moment, and I was I have goosebumps right now just thinking about this moment. Um, but it was like surreal. I had goosebumps, and then I guess after you have goosebumps for ten minutes, it just kind of turns into full chills. So I'm like sitting on my couch playing this through this moment that I can't mention more specifically. And I'm just like shaking with excitement because it is the coolest damn thing I've ever done in a game. It's a visual spectacle. It's so much fun. The music, it's everything that is great about this game hitting at a, at a 10, just 
from all angles and it was fantastic. Um, so there's moments like that and I'm like, this is incredible. This is like exactly what I want out of Final Fantasy. It's what I expected out of a creative business unit three Final Fantasy. Um, but then there's some lows, which aren't like bad lows, but they're like standard RPG lows. Um, I, one of the big cruxes of my review, assuming this stays in post edits, is that Final Fantasy 16 is an excellent action game, but it's not an excellent RPG. And it is being both. Like there is a very linear dungeon-based action game in there that's fantastic. And those are the main story missions. But outside of those main story missions, you're kind of going around the open world, you're doing side quests, you're doing hunts. And while it's not bad, it's very, um, I don't know, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like unique. I'm like, oh, this is, this is an RPG. So it has to have an open area like this to explore. It has to have side quests. It has to have crafting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I was kind of always anxiously rushing to get back to those story missions because nine out of 10 times they would leave me with like my jaw on the floor. Like they CBU three went so hard on the spectacle and the fun and using this combat system to just like take it to new extremes. And then you get pulled out of that and you're like, I got to go fetch uh, some mine or some coal. So this blacksmith can like start his forge again. And you're like, okay, yeah. And it's like the standard, like you talk and it's very final fantasy. I don't, it, like an NPC is in front of you. Your protagonist is there. They're talking back and forth. It's pretty whatever. You go get you go to the area. Oh, there's monsters. You kill them. You bring it back. He's like, "Thanks. Here's some gill, and you did it." Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like a it's there's a weird like pool between some of my all time favorite gaming moments and some Final Fantasy highs, and then there's like this yeah boilerplate RPG isms that I guess have to exist because it's a Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy is an RPG series. Ultimately, like. With the game behind me, what I'm remembering and what I'm thinking about is those highs. Like when people ask me about the game, I mean, the first thing I told you guys was like, there's my all time favorite gaming moment. So I'm coming out of this like very high on it. And I think over time, the RPG isms kind of fall to the wayside because I'm going to be talking about these awesome moments in this game. Um, but yeah, writing that out and like trying to get through my own thoughts on that and how much um, emphasis I put on that in a Final Fantasy has been very difficult and also challenging in a fun way. Um, So it's been a a tough review. It's my biggest review currently. I don't know if it'll get cut down, but I wrote like 2000 words because I just, I put 65 hours into it and writing, you know, six paragraphs didn't feel right. I was like, I can't possibly do this. Maybe we'll get it cut down in edits, but like it's a big review. It's one I'm proud of, but it was very challenging to write. And um, I'm really excited to see what other people think. I think people that know this studio and Final Fantasy XIV will like it a lot. I think people who aren't familiar with it or who are just looking for like a good RPG might be a little more harsh on it. So yeah, I think I, I'm excited to see what other people say. It's It's been, I, I love Final Fantasy. I've played every single one. And I, they're like big events in my life. So playing one so isolated without talking about it on the internet and seeing what other people are talking about and the hype. Like I'm just in my room on my couch playing it and I'm I'm telling my wife, I'm like, this is just happened and blah, blah. And she doesn't know these characters or anything, obviously, because she's not playing. So she's like, that's awesome. Cool. And I'm like, it's so I'm so alone here. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited. Um, in the end, I'm still alone. Yeah, exactly. It's. That's so exciting. So I've been 
I've been playing the full game the last couple of days. I'm just past where the the demo portion stops. Yeah. Um, I gotta but, check out my make sure my download is going. Right I'm now. so happy to talking. hear that the um that the story the main story seems to deliver because that's the thing that like has driven me the most. Like I think the combat's phenomenal, and I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But, like the story is so good and. Even knowing that Game of Thrones was a primary influence, I'm still sort of like taken aback at just how Game of Thrones it is. I have, <laughs> like the cutscenes, yeah. the dialogue, even just the situations and some of the archetypes of the characters of like you can almost see some of the like the Cersei. Oh, this is the Cersei. Yep, character. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And even Clive, I'm like, oh, Clive's Jon Snow. Yeah. Like yeah. one thousand percent, he's Jon Snow. It is very like I mean. Surprise, the story of Final Fantasy 16 doesn't follow the story of Game of Thrones. It goes to some wild places. But yeah, it's it's extremely inspired by like the archetypes of Game of Thrones characters. Sometimes to a fault. Other times, I don't know if it's on purpose, but they kind of use that to flip expectations and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, if you played the Final Fantasy demo, it is so clear that Annabella, his mom, is supposed to be like a cersei like character like it's right from the jump you're just like okay this is game of thrones um and the f- or even just the the, the cursing and the yeah. uh sex much full nudity but like a seeing a sex scene in a final yeah. fantasy game it's so wild and there were points where i had to remind myself like this is a final yeah fantasy oh i saw like full but- butt i saw a full butt in a final fantasy <laughs> okay. mainline game i don't think that's ever happened before Dang. yeah and I'm not saying that to complain, by the way. I mean, I'm a Game of Thrones fan, and I, I'm glad that they're mixing it up because, I, I, to its credit, I think it makes the dialogue better. Yeah. Uh, one, that it's different, but also it does not fall into the the cringy, sort of, like, stereotypical JRPG dialogue. Yep. That, like, I think of Kingdom Hearts at this point as, like, the worst offender of that. <clears throat> and, you know, it's all Square Enix. But, like, it doesn't get anywhere near that. Like, it feels like they watched a lot of medieval prestige television and were like, Oh, we need to tighten up this dialogue and have these characters speak. Like, I mean, real people, but like real people of like the period that they occupy. Yeah. And I, that I, it's impressed me of like, Oh, like I'm not like wincing at like this uncomfortable, unnecessary pause every other sentence <laughs> or anything. There's some like of that in the um, side quest. And with the, I mean, when you see an NPC, that's not a main character, you will know immediately that this is not uh, an important figure and there's that hi what's going on adventurer yeah there's or they do the thing where they don't even talk like they say like the first two words and then you just oh text yeah hey <laughs> there's there's that's, a that's little bit of, of that but not too much yeah that's fortunately. true um yeah. but yeah i think you kind of hit the nail on the head which is something i didn't even realize but yeah getting away from the modern timelines which final fantasy has been in since I mean, at least 13, 10's kind of in a weird spot. I mean, none of them are medieval, though. But now that they're, like, back in, like, classic medieval Final Fantasy, they do get to kind of, to their advantage, use not elevated language, but it's like they're all talking proper and and medieval. And so you're not getting, like, the cringe lines that you'd find in, um, like, a 15 or a Kingdom Hearts yeah. or something. And it doesn't go overboard with the medieval. Like, they're not like, thou art... Yeah. shall you know it's like it's not like i understand what everyone is saying mm-hmm. pretty clearly but yeah and i think the performances are also been pretty strong from the characters that i've met so far yeah uh is is sadolfus the same voice actor that plays laura he is in yeah he's the okay ralph Enison. So he's the dad and um the vavitch the witch 
excellent movie. Oh, but yeah. Okay. I started a uh, Final Fantasy 16 and Diablo 4 in the same week, like when I got code. And I, so I was just getting bombarded by his incredibly deep, awesome voice. And I was like, this this is awesome. Gaming's, games are awesome. <laughs> it's funny because like Lorath and Diablo 4 is like on my list of like one of the best characters of the year. And like, I'm already like really high on Sidolphus right now. Yeah. He's... You're like, is this guy going to be like two of the best characters of the year? Sid's great. Uh, he's an awesome <laughs> character. Every The whole cast is pretty great as far as like voice acting goes and some characters are written better than others, but I think for the most part, they kind of knocked it out of the park with everybody. There's no one that's like a clear, oh, they, their character didn't get their due or whatnot. Um, and I don't think they really put anybody to the wayside in a weird or offensive way, which is nice. Um, I also like Clive. Like, I I think there was some worry that he might be like too like grimdark or, or whatever it is. Um, and while he's like, like, again, to use the Jon Snow thing, like, yeah, he has some of that like, I don't know if angst is the word I want to use, but, like, some of that, like, cool, like, mopiness, but it, it doesn't get as mopey. Like, he has a lot of, like, even certain scenes I've seen where there's some lighter moments where he shows, like, not a goofier side, but, like, a lighter side to him, where he'll yeah. react to things, and it's kind of funny, where it's, like, he's put in a weird, like, awkward situation. He's just like, oh, I guess this is just what's happening to me now. <laughs> and he just kind of rolls with the punches in a way that, like, I'm I'm liking it, but like it feels it makes him feel a little bit more well rounded than just like I'm angry and I want revenge. Yeah, and he but know? he looks like a character that would be that. Like I remember his yeah. reveal, and then even on our cover, people are like, "Man, this this is a very different protagonist. Like this is a rough and tough dude who carries a big sword, and he's got spiky black leather and stuff." He's coming to your town. Yeah, but and he kind of I mean he sees that is that way at first glance because he has like a very deep and just gruff, straight to the point voice, but like. Yeah, his character isn't that, which is refreshing and um, surprising for me because I admittedly did think he was going to be just a straight shooter, rough and tough dude. Yeah, like I, I genuinely like him so far. Yeah, I think I had that vibe from him at first. I've also played like a few hours. I, I don't know where the demo ends, so I don't know if I've I've passed it or not. But I remember see, you see like the very beginning and then there's kind of like a flashback and you see him younger. And I felt like, well, first of all, I don't know if it's just because of like being in the, the games media industry of like you start a lot of games, but I feel like you can really tell in the first few hours of a game, like how you're going to feel about it. And there's a lot of time where I'm like, I know people say this game is good, but this first hour is driving me nuts and I don't feel like doing these tutorials. And I feel like this game, like right off the bat, I was like very invested in the story and characters, even though it was like a sub, it was a lot. Of, it's a lot of cutscenes, and I was not annoyed by that i was like totally down to sit and watch and see these characters interact and i think coming back to like the present day clive and seeing now why he's like this after seeing kind of like his origin story at the start i was like oh i totally understand this now um his his you know uh, uh gruff behavior is good actually and i am excited to like fight with him for stuff it's funny that, you know, we talk about Lorath <clears throat> being played by the same guy. Um, the kid, uh, Joshua, Joshua, Joshua? Yes, Joshua, um, his younger brother. younger brother. Yeah. Like him being voiced by the actor that plays uh, Hugo Logan in the Plague Tale games. Yeah. Oh, and, really? Yeah, like you hear it immediately. And it's just like, is he just going to be typecast? It's like, we need 
adorable younger brother who is cursed with a great power that's also killing him. Like, I have a <laughs> like, I have a story from this talking need. to the localization director. Are there rats in Final Fantasy he, 16? No, it's just a flame bird. Yeah, same thing really. He yeah. they had a different a different um actor and then the actor went through puberty and couldn't do that voice well anymore. And at the oh. same time the localization director was playing Plague Tale and he was like, "Well, hold hey. on, this kid's perfect. Let's call him up and so that's how he got this the job this is basically yeah. the character do you we think have. The, the first actor was super salty yeah oh my I gosh think i'd so. be devastated i bet he gave yeah. them a mouthful with his cracking voice over the phone i need, <laughs> I need to like look into that who that hey, actor you better was. listen to me <laughs> i do like the we idea of casting casting you and being like yeah we're looking for like a tom holland type and then, like, uh, you do all the recording, like, ooh, sorry, we actually got Tom Holland for this one, so yeah. you're good for now. Um, not that the character sounds like Tom Holland, it's just my example. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't help but chuckle of, like, yeah, I, I like, I read your feature, Wes, I, like, I knew it was him, but he realized, like, yeah, man, this could basically be the same character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, same just living a terrible life. <laughs> <laughs> With this amazing power. Yeah, I, uh, end the combat, too, I'm, i recently got like the second power garuda like the second like icon power yeah like garuda so like it's got to the point where i was enjoying the combat but then you when you get the second one you see what the game's gonna be of like being able to switch between those two on the fly and then you know all the devil may cry comparisons are pretty appropriate now that you're yeah. like oh this is like changing styles in dmc of like from gunslinger to sword master of like okay garuda is like super combo heavy and okay and so you uh, get to use those abilities on the fly in addition to transforming okay so is it kind of like and i'm sorry for going off the, the the rails a bit is it similar to how in bayonetta you have like you are kind of using the demon powers in your normal fights and then you can summon them Mm-mm. for the big stuff so no. you you can equip okay. up to three at a time and each one has a circle a circle command so the phoenixes let you like shift teleport kind of across the field garuda pulls an enemy towards you and then so you're using that quite often and then you're just attacking with like clive's weapon his sword and using square and triangle doing combos parries dodges and then you can hold r2 and that opens up on your wheel a square attack or a triangle, and those are iconic abilities. So Phoenix has two, oh, okay. Garuda has two. You you can equip two at a time, and then the, you use okay. those, and they're on a cooldown. So it's um okay. And then there are those big cinematic battles where yeah, you like turn those are very uh um segmented or separate. Scripted. Like you, yeah, scripted. I guess you could yeah. say those happen at key story moments. Like you can't just become Efrit okay. whenever you want. You do have. I didn't think so, but yeah. I wasn't aware that you also had like minor. Mm-hmm. versions of those abilities as well That's yeah cool. and then you also have like limit break which is you know pretty standard for um final fantasy but yeah i mean those i can't say too much about the combat but it goes places and you just continue to unlock more abilities and you can customize it in a lot of different ways and you'll have when you're done with the game you'll have like a build and you'll have almost an attack pattern that you utilize to take down any enemy like i know if I'm fighting an enemy, okay, I'm going to stagger them with this, and then I'm going to use this ability followed by this ability, and then this one, and it's going to do this much damage. Like, you'll have a build because of just how much mixing and matching there is. Um, yeah, I've already found myself doing that even in the, like the early stage because I'm I'm like a stylish action sicko. Yeah, basically. Um, 
and I think that's the biggest compliment I can give is that the combat, like, it feels good mm-hmm. to attack. It's my favorite you know, combat like, in a game. I think. I think I put that in my review, but like, by the end of it, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with this combat. It's my favorite by far. Yeah, like it looks cool. Like last second dodging and triggering the slow mo is great. Like the uh, uh, doing the stagger, which you know is almost like a Final Fantasy thirteen carryover of like staggering them and you know raining hell on them like it's like just the flow and all the enemies that i fought so far have been pretty nicely varied and they all offer different challenges like i i feel challenged but not like overwhelmed yeah and it feels like like and i kind of like that this game has some bite to it where it feels like a lot of the harder fights i end them and i'm like i have like one potion left and granted you're not carrying like a ton at least in the early stages but like i'm like oh my god i almost i'm almost out of stuff after that big you know combat encounter okay all right we're not messing around a little bit i like that <laughs> oh yeah no it's um yeah it's weird it was never like i wouldn't say like hard in like a, a traditionally hard way i mean it is challenging and i did die sometimes but without dying the combat was still had a really nice sense of challenge like like you said i was ending with one potion i wasn't getting killed like i would in a souls game and just dying over and over but like it was like nail biting often and that's part of partly because i'm trying to pull off these wild combos and sometimes it fails and then my whole plan is like foiled and sometimes it works like i should have dodged but i was trying to do this cool thing (laughs) yeah exactly um but yeah the combat just throughout the game till the very end gets it opens up more and more and more and gets more robust i love this combat i will say i've accidentally spent potions thinking that i was on torgle's attacks yeah and I have thrown away high potions being like, why isn't he biting right now? And then I look down and realize in horror that I've used all of my stuff accidentally. I, you just made me realize I didn't mention Torgo in my review, but it's kind of like a, a nothing. I don't, I never really noticed here, like whether it was helping me a lot or not helping me as much. Like his heal does like 10 or 20 HP, which isn't going to save yeah, you. You got to like smash that yeah. thing to be like, fill me up buddy and his attacks weren't ever doing like i basically kind of just didn't worry about him and they have an accessory that automatically does torgle's attacks for you but you only get three accessories and i wouldn't say that one does enough to like take up a whole slot i like using his launch to like send people airborne and then Mm. i'll go up there and do an air combo and then i still haven't figured out how i can how he does this but there's sometimes where i'll attack and it's like his basic like second thing and then sometimes he'll do like a like a Blanca rolling ball, like Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. spin attack. And I've been trying to figure out why he does that sometimes. And other, like, I assume it's just like, depending on what you're doing. If you go to your attributes, he has combos, but he does them him- himself. Like, okay. Like, so I'm I, like stumbling into yeah, those combos. I exactly. Guess. Um, it doesn't tell you how to do it, but it'll be like, it'll, I forget the names of the attacks, but it shows an attack and it's like, Torgo will do this. And I'm like, I don't, have any idea how or why but he does it so cool okay he even has like a level I've been actively too. trying to figure out yeah because i when he when those hit those do like decent damage and it like kind of like uh freezes them in place for a while where i can wail on them so i've been trying to master doing that at will yeah <laughs> you know um but yeah i'd say across the board like he's like he doesn't hurt the combat being there but he's not like a oh my god game changer yeah you don't have to stress over remembering to use him like if you forget you'll be fine but yeah, I mean, I think in closing, your your enjoyment will depend almost exclusively on how much you like the combat. If you don't like the combat, you're not going to like this game um, because you do a lot of combat. But if you like the combat, it offers a lot of depth for people who want that. And I think the story goes to some wild places that is worth seeing for the spectacle alone. 
Um, it takes some swings that it doesn't necessarily land, but overall, I think this is going to be a hit for the Final Fantasy series. Yeah. I think I've, in out of all the recent Final Fantasies, which is with a question mark because they come so few and far between, um, I don't think I've thoroughly enjoyed the opening hours as much as I think 10 might have been the last one where I was like completely on board, like sold for the first like few hours, even like 13 and, and 15, which like you didn't like pushing a car. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is funny how far opposite this is of like pushing a car. <laughs> like now you're going to do like a cool 50 hit combo with like gods fighting each other and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't have any, like, big hang-ups so far, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, even 13, which had a... I thought 13 had a strong start, uh, it, like, narratively, but then kind of fell apart a little quickly. At least for me. I know you love that game, Wes. But, yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's got, yeah, this, it's got its faults, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so far, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it is the Game of uh, Game of Thronesification of it, of it being one of my favorite shows of all time, but it's one of those weird, like, peanut butter and chocolate combinations of, like, and then also tacking on like Devil May Cry, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, these three things that I really like coming together in an unlikely way, and like it works so far. And I'm really like, I'm super excited to keep playing more of it. It's been weird uh, writing a review for it because like I love the game a lot, but then I'm also having to address real criticisms I have with it. Whereas the final fan to see fan of me is like, you love this game. I love 13. It has its faults, but I just kind of ignore those. But then I'm like having to write out my actual issues. So it's been a very fun, um, like, uh, exercise in, I guess, like rerouting my brain to, you know, I'm, I'm writing critically about something I love a lot and having to dissect what I love and what I don't love. Um, yeah, it's been fun. What were we going to say, uh, Charles? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask what, what your other favorite final fantasy games are. And then, I don't know if you have like a ranking of them. I was going to ask where mm-hmm. this ranks in there. And I was like, that might be too soon to ask that. But just just to know what your Final Fantasy taste is like. 13 is my favorite, but I don't think it's the best. I just, 13 has a very special place. It was the first one I ever bought and I've played it a ton and I love that game. Six, obviously, I love a lot. Seven, 10. Um, I actually did like 15 a good bit. It is properly critiqued and fairly critiqued and it's very messy game, but... Um, I still enjoyed it. And I really like eight. Um eight's eight was a lot of fun. I haven't played it in forever, so I don't know if it like holds up to twenty twenty three Wesley, but very young Wesley really enjoyed eight. So as far as where this one ranks, it'll be pretty high, I think. It's tough because like you gotta sit with it a bit. Like I just beat it and um I haven't been able to really you guys are the first people I've talked to about it in a deeper way. Um but I think it'll be pretty high on my personal list. Um, I'm excited for us to have to duke it out uh, for our Game Informer list. Mm. God, that's going to be, what a year. Yeah, it's like this summer alone. Oh, I'm talking about our Final Fantasy ranked list. But yeah, I mean, even oh, Game, even, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even game mean, of the Year, like play. eventually. I mean, I doubt it beats Tears of the Kingdom for a lot of people, but I haven't beaten, I'm only like 20 hours into Tears of the Kingdom, but this is my Game of the Year so far. Yeah, it's like this. Like Diablo, that Street Fighter, Survivor, yeah, Survivor was ridiculous. Crime Boss, Rock City, (laughs) this Gollum for some, yeah, (laughs) for some. It's wild to think that, like, with even with this and all the games we mentioned, um, there's still like Starfield and like Spider Man and Alan Wake on the horizon, a bunch of other stuff, and the the new 2D Mario and 3D Mario that they announced 
at the direct yesterday. <laughs> yeah, what a wild announcement that yeah. was, right? Mario Odyssey right. 2 and um uh, the big Super Mario Bros. <laughs> Wait, are you guys joking or do you know information? Oh, this goes out Thursday, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the direct no, we don't happens tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm just uh, I'm hoping that there's some Mario announcements tomorrow, so I'm, I'm future proofing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, normally we rip I like stuff. how your head snapped up, Alex. <laughs> like, wait a second. I could I was like, do you know like any pre-announcements that are happening? I like We're the way trying you... to preemptively sound smart. Dude, if we got a new Super Mario Odyssey 2. Uh, that would be too smart. Nintendo's going to be like, how about we do a brand new 3D Mario game? We drop all the cappy stuff that everyone loves. No, and we just it's going to be else. another 2D Mario it's game. It's going to be a scene of Miyamoto throwing cappy to the floor and rubbing his feet. <laughs> yeah. Grinding his feet. I, He's like, not again. I saw a, a leak. I don't think it was an actual leak uh, that said the game would feature Luigi and his hat's name would be um, Bowler and it would be a bowler hat. And I was like, I hate this. Can they call him Boldy? Why are they changing Luigi's hat? Super Mario Odyssey Mario Luigi's Mario wears journey. the same hat. He's a I gentleman mean, now. I mean, Mario's... Yeah, why shouldn't... I, love I don't that. know. Keep Luigi out of my damn Mario games. <laughs> it's not where he belongs. <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, let's get out of here in just a second. Real quick, Charles. Yes. Tell me real quick about stray gods stray I know gods. you've been playing it well there's a demo or something yeah there's a demo on steam uh, there there was a demo earlier and then they i think the steam like next fest demo is a little bit longer but i'll talk I, I played a little bit of it i'll talk about the game kind of generally um if you're a fan of musicals this is like the coolest game concept ever to me it is like a choose your own adventure except you're choosing the dialogue during musical numbers that the characters are doing. Um, and it takes place, it's kind of like Greek gods theme. So the whole thing is there's like this murder that happened and you're trying to figure out who did it. And then you have the power of a muse. So whenever someone's like confronting their emotions, you can get them to like basically sing a confession of like how they feel about it. Um, and it's got like a bonkers cast of like, what I heard of it, I was like, wow, this was like the whole budget hunt was just all it's the entire cast of The like, Last of Us. Yeah, it's, it's Laura <laughs> Bailey and Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. Oh, um, OK. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, like D&D actual play shows and uh, Laura Bailey, and Ashley Johnson, obviously they're on Critical Role. There's Erica Ishii. They're on uh, Dimension 20 often. I think they've also been on Critical Role. Um, a bunch of like people in there and even care, even actors where I didn't recognize their name. I would look it up and I'm like, oh, that's Bayek from uh, Assassin's Creed Origins um, or, oh, I know exactly what that is. So that's wild. Uh, and then, yeah, the the concept was cool to me. And I think playing it, uh, it works. And I think the thing that I wasn't expecting is when you're picking like the dialogue option, right? Like in a normal game, you can just kind of sit there and be like, hmm, am I going to be a nice person? Am I going to be a jerk? When it's in like the middle of the song, you have until, you know, the end of that measure to select your thing. And if you don't pick, it chooses randomly. Um, so there's like this interesting narrative pressure of like, oh God, who am I going to side with? Am I going to be a nice person? Am I going to be mean? And yeah, it's just an interesting game. Um, I think the lead writer, he was like a writer on a bunch of uh, Dragon Age games. So, yeah, this seems cool. Austin Wintry composing it, too. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, I don't know. I didn't mention that. Austin Wintry, uh, he's doing the music. Um, there's a Australian comedy musical group called Tripod that also is writing a lot of the songs. Um, and then there is another Australian musician named Montaigne who is working on the music as well, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's a lot of people. Do we know who's doing the art? Because when I every time I look at this game, I swear it's Fiona Staples, who uh, probably most famously is the artist behind Saga. And it looks so much like her art to where I remember at one point trying to look up who did the art for this game and I could not find an answer. I was like, okay, maybe it's just their internal art studio and maybe not one. But I was looking for like a, and we got Fiona Staples to do the art. Because I was like, man, this, this, it looks a lot like Saga. Yeah, I think I, it's not that person. It is someone named Benjamin E. Okay. Um. Their last name is literally just the letter E twice. Gotcha. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but there, there was like a piece on, uh, I found of like Kotaku Australia on them because they're also Australian. This the studio is based in Australia. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because they there's like horn people too. But I just yeah, it was hitting the same sort of notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Pun intended or pun unintended. Oh, uh, pun unintended. Oh, but that's disappointing. <laughs> you can intend it for me if you like. Okay. Hitting the same notes. Hey. Oh. Wow. Are you going to share that lunch uh, recording you made? Oh, I already did. You did? Okay, yeah. I got to... I sang, I sang Charles is going to lunch, but the Final Fantasy Seven Or not Final Fantasy Seven, just the Final you Fantasy You that publicly though, right? Not yeah, on Twitter, I, I tweeted okay. it. It's because when you level up in Final Fantasy 16, it's like a chorus that sings it. And it had never occurred yeah. to me before that someone could sing that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> dude, I got to do that. Yeah. You, can, Beg. you can sing this song? Yeah. <laughs> you gonna you going to enter the talent show? The uh, internal talent show that our I was throwing? I was thinking that'd be really funny if that was my one entry. And <laughs> there's like... I looked. I was at, like, practicing earlier. I'm gonna submit. The thing I mean, you is, you might win by default. You're probably not a huge pool for that. The thing is, whenever there are contests like this, very few people actually submit, and so it is. I have won so many competition contests by just submitting the bare. I won a. I won a $800 statue one time from a Nerdist contest because I had heard through the grapevine that like they had three entrants or something like they had like very few entrants and they're giving away like all this stuff. And there was like four hours left before the deadline of the contest. And I, at the time I was like practicing pixel art and I did like pixel art of the two hosts on the show, except I only got one done (laughs) (laughs) and I submitted it as is without, and they like showed it off on the show. And one of the hosts was like, Oh, this is interesting pixel art, but where am I? And I was just thinking to myself, well, I didn't have enough time to do you, but I, I wanted to submit. I ended up winning third place. Hey, <laughs> Rocking the bronze. And so whenever, Charles, there is a – and for people who don't know, our company is sponsoring like a in-network, in, in like a, in, a company-wide talent show with like a prize. So I do I'll know- see you out there. I'll see you on the – I'll see you on the podium, Charles. There's, I think there's <laughs> ten, ten semifinalists. Yeah, yeah. and then, ten? Okay. and then five finalists will go and perform? Question mark at In this Vegas. big Judges Vegas thing. <laughs> yeah, 
Which I'll is, see you like, there. We'll be roommates. <laughs> I'll just like, show up Adam, and I'll be like, Adam Levine's going to be there judging. <laughs> like, hey, hey guys. Wait, what? Is... is that real? No, but oh. I mean, that, uh, it sounds like it is. So like, hey, Alex, I'm, sorry, I'm very gullible in front of a I don't know why. Yeah. It's like, how, how far are we taking this? I'm very, I just feel like Adam Levine has fallen from grace a little bit. Is he problematic now? I think he cheated. Or is he on just his not wife. doing? Is he just not making anything right now? He cheated on his wife, and and the texts were just really cringe. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. simultaneously like, "Oh, he cheated on your wife." I'm like, "Oh, that's you flirting, you're out of love." Okay, I don't follow him, so yeah. it's like the last yeah. thing I remember was that he was on the. It was the Voice, right? Yeah, he got kicked off. He was also uh, just generally unlikable as a person, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, but it, so it wouldn't surprise me if like a major corporation like hired him for like their company talent show at this point he's, he's really he's readily accessible now yeah yeah <laughs> he has to take what he can get he's trying to find his next big break no i think like, i think Maroon he's doing just fine at this point. well cool uh how do you guys feel about ending it here uh i know marcus you're gonna talk about dordogne dordogne here let me help you out i've, I've got the dordogne 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 Dordogne. It's like sexy voice. Dordogne. Dordogne. I don't know what that like preamble was, but <laughs> like and subscribe. Dordogne. Um. Uh, yeah, I played that game. You want to talk about it real quick before we before we head out? Yeah, uh, I think I talked about it in the show before when I played the demo, but it's yeah, uh, yeah, cool. I remember. A uh, very very beautiful watercolor uh, yeah. adventure game where you uh, it's set in Dordogne, Dordogne, which Dordogne. is a region in France. Yeah, and you play as this woman named Mimi who goes back to her grandma's uh, home because she has recently passed away, and she's basically trying to remember her time there that she spent one summer as a twelve year old because for some reason she doesn't remember any of it. And also her father does not want her to go uh, to this place because he has had a very uh, strained relationship with uh, their grandparents or her grandparents uh, for reasons unknown. And and the bulk of the game uh, takes place where you play as the 12-year-old version of Mimi. You're kind of jumping back and forth between the past and the present, whereas present Mimi, you're exploring a house and then you find like a key item and then that triggers a flashback where you play like a very lengthy sequence as kid mimi and uh yeah just sort of like getting to see what that relationship was like with her and her grandma like the thing that you see about this game is that it looks absolutely gorgeous it's such a pretty game it just it really like i know we use that cliche of like it's like a painting come to life yeah a cartoon come to life um but it really does feel like you are walking through like an art gallery of like a really good watercolor painter where just even the way things are framed for better or worse it looks great as static images but sometimes certain like pathways like trying to find something that's walkable can be tricky because you're like oh this there's a passage behind here that isn't clearly communicated because just by nature of how you um lay things out on a canvas it's not always conducive to like game design (laughs) you know because it's like no one's gonna be walking through your painting but that doesn't happen super often. There's just a few moments where, like, I think I'm bumping up against these brushes, and I think there's something behind here. Um, but you're going around, you're collecting, like, little keepsakes, like cassette tapes and stickers and, and like, giant words that appear everywhere that you can later use to write uh, little poems. And you're basically using them to fill a scrapbook that sort of documents each week 
with your grandma because it kind of takes place over like a four week uh vacation there and you're seeing like okay you know you're seeing their bond but you're also learning a bit about the history of your family in general mainly like the falling out between your grandparents and, and your father and the game gets uh like has some edges of darkness in a way that you know like a good 80s coming of age story has where like it's whimsical and like friendly enough for kids but there's enough like mature stuff like implied mm-hmm. to where as an adult you can enjoy and you're like oh okay there's some like i don't want to say sinister but there's like there's something that's like not cool maybe happening or has happened in the past okay that maybe you see some of the consequence of now and you kind of get to know your grandmother better but I think the performances are great. It's just a really pleasant game. Like the puzzle solving is not challenging. It's more like creative, just the way you interact with things. Cause it kind of has like a point and click style interaction. Like you have a literal mouse cursor to do a lot of the big puzzles, which can feel a little awkward to controller just because that's just how that works. Yeah. But, you know, I like how they sort of like find imaginative ways to do basic things of like, oh, you could click this door to open it, but instead you're going to like click, hold it and like manually turn it and then pull it open and like fun little interactions. And they always find new ways to have you do simple things of like, Oh, you know, you're going to hold your hands over these, this object until a meter fills, you can grab it. Or uh, there's a cool one where like, you have a friend who lives like down a Valley from your house and you're going to shout like, Hey, what's up. And the way they convey that is that you have these word bubbles that you slingshot over the cliff. And that's supposed to be like, oh, yeah, you're like, hello. Like, you're, like, throwing your voice, literally, basically. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, that's pretty clever. I like that. So it's like there's a playfulness and a whimsy that I really like. And it all feels really nice. It's a, you know, it's like a short little four or five hour game. There's some pretty, like, poignant moments in there uh, between Mimi and her grandmother. And then I think some of the stuff, the way they connect, like, the broader story or the backstory leaves a little to be desired like there's some stuff i still don't feel like i have a good sense of like why her dad hates her parents and also the fact that a lot of that context is found in these collectible notes that you can miss so like i encourage you know some thorough explanation uh exploration which means you're going to be running around the house uh, quite a bit each chapter but uh the, the otherwise i like i just enjoyed it i think it's just like a solid really fun and also very fun to look at adventure game like i gave it an eight overall and yeah you should check it out i i think it's on game pass i think <laughs> i don't know for sure don't quote me don't hold me to it but i want to say that it is i feel like i heard someone mention this but regardless uh, i think it's on pretty much it is on game pass so yeah oh well there you go so you know you're subscribed to that i think it's it's always weird to say a good game pass games i feel like that sort of like sells it short sometimes um but it i mean i think i want to say like if you have the means and you have something like that it's like yeah fire that up there's a bunch of other stuff on game pass this is one that i think you sh- it's worth spending some time especially if you're looking for like a good chill pill in between all of these gigantic multi-hour long epics that we've been getting <laughs> this month between diablo and zelda and now soon final fantasy i, I liked it it was a good palate cleanser and it's cool awesome don't yeah awesome uh, now we all know how to say that word. So we do. Really um, well, let's let's wrap things down, uh, slow things down. Uh, if you want to support Game Informer, if you want to um, go get a print version of the Armored Core 6 cover, you go to GameStop.com slash Game Informer. 
that'll be available for $5.99. Of course, if you have an active print subscription, that'll be hitting your mailbox uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, and if you want to read the magazine digitally, uh, you can go get access to that. Head over to GameInformer.com slash magazine to, to learn how to do that. Lastly, uh, follow these these gents here on social media. You can follow Charles at ChuckDuck365. You can follow Wes at LeBlancWes. Follow Marcus at MarcusStewart7. And you can follow me at It's Van Aiken. Don't forget to go and listen to All Things Nintendo, which is our weekly Nintendo podcast that goes out on Fridays. Uh, follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, lastly, shout out to our podcast editor, Matt, uh, a.k.a. DJ Stormageddon. They host Fun and Games, uh, which is a general gaming podcast, and the Reignite podcast, which is a Bioware replay retrospective podcast. So go check them out uh, and their work. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed the show, share it with a friend. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Can I play us out real quick? Yeah, please. Please play us out. No, that was perfect. That was great. <laughs> Thanks for that, Charles. Yeah, really cool. Um, <laughs> Charles just be like the in-house band of the game. <laughs> really cool. <laughs> Good just job, Charles. <laughs> I'll see you at the talent show, Charles. You will. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'll see you. We'll have a, a rivalry. Yeah.